Thank you for downloading this sermon from Christ the Word Church. If you would like more information on how Christ the Word is reaching, raising, and teaching generations in Northwest Ohio and Southeast Michigan, please visit us online at ChristTheWord.com. Good morning. All right, just move this over here. All right, it's a privilege to be here this morning. I was, uh, President Nathan asked me a little while ago if I'd be willing to do this. Uh, it's a joy to be here and to be able to look into God's Word with you. Uh, this summer, Nathan's been leading us through what it means to see the church as a family. We've looked at the roles of fathers and of mothers. We've examined what it takes to make distinctions, what it means to be inclusive. So there are many aspects to cover because in one sense, while it may seem self-explanatory, what does it mean the church is a family? In another sense, we do need to be reminded to be refined. What does it mean when we say the church is a family? Today, we're going to be looking at what does it mean that we're called to be hospitable as a church family? So for our text, we're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 11, 7 to 11. If you would please stand for the reading of God's word. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. So that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Let's pray. Father, I ask you to speak to us through your word and through the utterances of my mouth. Give us guidance, Lord, to grow in hospitality to your people and to further grow the kingdom and the body of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, Father. Amen. All right, in our text here, Peter calls us to a number of interrelated items, among which is the call to be hospitable to one another without complaint. Now, that may sound easy enough. Be hospitable and don't complain about it. All right, I can check that off the list. But what does it mean? The Word tells us a number of times for Scripture to be hospitable. Romans 12, 13 says we are to be contributing to the needs of saints, practicing hospitality. Titus 1, 8 says we're to be hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, just, devout, and self-controlled. This is repeated. There's other examples I give you. It says be hospitable. This is a command of the Lord. It's not a request. But what will that look like? What will, how will our lives reflect that? How will we know if we're doing it? So sometimes I think it's easier to see what something is if we see what something is not. All right, I'm going to take you back to the long ago days 
of the autumn of 2005. This is during the first year of Sarah and I's marriage. We were living in a small town in Indiana named North Manchester. We had both just graduated from college, and we were making the sometimes awkward transition from only having college friends to friends that we had met as regular adults. So we met a couple there. Their names were Chris and Kim. They were fellow believers. Earlier that fall, they invited us over for dinner at their house. I was, it was neat. It was one of the first times that we had met people as a married couple we hadn't known previously. We had a great time with them. So we decided after that, hey, it'd be fun. Let's have them over to our apartment. So uh, we invited them over. Uh, we had made dinner. By we made dinner, I mean Sarah made dinner. So it was a good time. We had good dinner, good conversation. Afterwards, we went to the living room to, I think we're going to play a game or something like that. So I did say this is an example of what good hospitality is not. So we're getting to that part now. See, in the living room, draped over our television, we had, or we had a blanket. They asked us, watch with the blanket on the TV. We told them that we were recording something. At the time, there was a television show called Lost. If you watch it, you know what I'm talking about. It was a show, people stuck on an island, a lot of uh, plot lines going on. So if you missed a week of Lost, you were, you were lost. You, couldn't, you didn't know what happened. So the night we had Chris and Kim over was the night that Lost aired that week. Now, again, this is long ago days of 2005. If you missed the show, I couldn't just uh, watch it online or DVR it. One, I had dial-up internet. So if I'd wanted to stream, it would have taken a long time. And also, there was no streaming online. So it wasn't an option. So we didn't want to miss the episode, but we wanted to have them over. So we thought, oh, we'll just put the blanket over the TV while we record it. Now, this was terrible hospitality. Now, Chris and Kim, they were very gracious to us. They, you know, were very kind and understanding. But the message that we were sending was that, hey, we want to have you over, but it's kind of an inconvenience to us. When you make your guests feel that they've inconvenienced you, you're not doing hospitality without complaint. We didn't intend to send that message, but we did. So it brings us back to our starting point here. What, does it, what will it look like? That's what it's not. Now, again, a story I think can help us see. In Genesis 18, we have Abraham sitting at the door of his tent by the oaks of Mamre in the heat of the day. Now, we're in the middle of summer. You've been outside on a hot day and the sun is beating down on you. You don't want to do much. But while Abraham's there, he looks up and he sees three men standing outside. And he thought to himself, Wow, I'm glad I'm not out there, right? No. He ran out to them, and he said, My Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, please do not pass your servant by. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring a piece of bread that you may refresh yourself. After that, you may go on since you have visited your servant. Abraham opened his home, so to say, to people who we know, you know, this is a heavenly reception to him, but he didn't. Part of hospitality is that. It's opening your home to people, inviting them in. 
do you invite people in your home? It's the first step towards practicing hospitality as a Christian. You don't wait for someone to say, I'd love to see your house. You don't wait for someone to invite you over and then you think, well, I'll reciprocate now. If you're thinking, you know, I, I'm only doing it if they invite me over first, then you're complaining about it. But we're also called to invite people over that we don't know. Now, you may have good friends over, and that's great. But do you invite over people that you don't know very well? Do you think Abraham knew these guys? He didn't. He didn't know them. He just saw that they, they had a need. They could be blessed by hostility, so he extended it. What about you in your life? Do you, how do you identify someone who you can be hospitable to? They're everywhere. People you meet at the park, neighbors, parents you may chat with when you're dropping off or picking up your kids from school, the people you're sitting with right now, coworkers, people you meet playing sports, or your kids playing sports. There are endless opportunities for you to find people and to invite them in. The church is a family. Now, I don't ask myself, which of my kids would be blessed if I told them I loved them and cared for them? All children are blessed when they know their parents love them, when their parents verbalize that and tell them. It's the same with the body of Christ. Everyone's blessed if someone invites them over to tell them and essentially, I love you, I would like to spend time with you, I would like to know you even better. But it's more than just extending an invitation. We serve others when they're present. Again, we look at Abraham. After he invited these guys over, did he go and find leftovers, see what he had available? No. Genesis tells us that Abraham hurried into his tent and said to Sarah, quickly, prepare three measures of flour, knead it, and make bread cakes. Abraham also ran to the herd and took a tender and choice calf and gave it to his servant, and he hurried to prepare it. He took curds and milk and the calf which he had prepared and placed it before them. And he was standing by them under the tree as they ate. He went and got some of his best stuff and he gave it to these guys. He and his family worked to make this meal something that someone would want to partake in. When we have people over, we're doing it to serve them, and by serving them, to love them. Part of that could be asking if they have allergies or any dietary restrictions. You know, they may tell you they don't eat gluten. Now you can think to yourself, wow, it's annoying. I don't want to deal with this. But then again, that's complaining. You can, or you can do the other thing and think to yourself, how can I love them? How can I have something here that they'll enjoy, that they'll know that I love them because we, we prepared something, maybe it's different, to show them we love them? You need to ask yourself, who are you serving in this meal? Are you serving yourself and they happen to be present? Or are you serving them? Service to others is not service to yourself. When you have someone over, you don't force them to accommodate you. You accommodate them. 
Abraham served these men. He sought to make them comfortable. Peter, in our passage, calls us to serve as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. Do you go out of your way to serve by the strength which God is giving you to do so? When you have people over, do they feel that you care for them? Do they feel that you're glad that they're there? How can you make them feel you care about them? Is it just putting food in front of them? No, there's more. We talk with them. We engage with them. You ask questions. You ask follow-up questions to their questions. Show them that you're listening. You show that you care who they are, you know, what their background is, what they're, what they're excited about, what interests them, what is God doing in their life. Let's be honest, we all love to talk about ourselves. Have you ever found yourself in a conversation and you think about it, you you're just waiting to make your point. You're just waiting to tell your story. When you're being hospitable, you don't want to make yourself the focus. You want your guests to know that they are your focus, that you're glad that they're present, that you're loving them in Christ's name. We're called to invest in them, and the thing we invest is our time and our attention. This is where we can lose our aim. We can think we're being hospitable when we're really just taking care of someone. Let me explain a little bit what I mean by that. Think of the story in Luke chapter 10. We have Mary and Martha. Now, Martha thought she was doing the right thing in practicing hospitality. She was cooking, she's slaving away, to get everything right for Jesus. Now, those are good things. A meal does need to be prepared. It's not going to make itself. And what was Mary doing that time? She was sitting there with Jesus, talking with him. Now, we know that Martha felt Mary wasn't doing anything. But what Christ told Martha was that Mary was choosing the better thing. Mary was at Jesus' feet. She was listening to Jesus. She was growing. So when we have people over, we're not having Jesus physically over, obviously. We're having over people, sinners like us. But we are called to invest in them. Now, we do have to make, make the meal. We do have to do things in advance. We do maybe want to think through, and, you know, before when they get there, what we're having, maybe have it prepared a little before that. But we're investing in these people. So maybe now you're thinking to yourself, all right, I guess I can do this sometimes. This doesn't sound that difficult. So how often do I have to do this to not feel guilty? Well, how often do you think? In First Peter, I mean, he tells us to keep, writes to keep fervent in our love for one another because love recovers a multitude of sins. How often do you think Peter wants us to love one another? Is it once a year? Once a month? It's continually. We love each other continually. Hospitality also needs to be practiced regularly. Now, I can't tell you the exact time how often that is, for some people, it's going to be once a week. For others, maybe you can only get to it once a month. Maybe sometimes you can do it multiple times a week. But what I can tell you is however often you think it is, it probably needs to be more. 
Hospitality is not a vacation. We go on vacation once a year. We have like vacation time. Hospitality is not a once in a while thing. It's a regular thing we do. Because if you don't do it regularly, you will quit. It requires you to serve others instead of yourself, to spend money buying more food for other people, to give up your personal free time in the pursuit of investing and knowing others. If you don't do it regularly, you will grow selfish and you'll quit. Think back to a year and a half ago, March 2020. COVID really begins to impact us. We all quit gathering together. Everyone's isolating in their homes. Now we think back to that time, there's a lot of negative aspects that you can think of. Lots of things that, you, that I hated, that you probably hated. But if I'm being honest with myself, there was something at the time that I kind of liked. Initially, it was kind of nice to be able to relax at home every evening and every weekend. Life can, it can feel like it's going a million miles an hour sometimes, right? It feels like you're doing something every night, schedule is always busy. And at first, it was kind of nice that all of a sudden I didn't have to do anything. But therein lies the danger because we are selfish people. I am selfish at heart. You are selfish at heart. If we don't make it a regular practice to be hospitable, we'll quit doing it because that's easier. It's like, kind of like exercising. If you get into an exercise routine, you're, you're with it regularly, it's easier to maintain it, right? You're doing it regularly, it's part of your, it's what you do. But if you miss a week, or you miss two weeks, it's harder to get back into it. You kind of go, oh, it was kind of nice not waking up early to do that, or putting myself through that. If we don't practice hospitality regularly, if we don't make that our normal, then we'll quit doing it. Last year, after that initial COVID flare-up, Sarah and I had to be intentional to be hospitable again. We had to break out of habits that we had just sticking to ourselves to go beyond ourselves and intentionally invite people in again. It's a key aspect of hospitality, intentionality. It requires work to think, who will you invite over? And then plan and make it, make it happen. It won't happen if you don't put in advanced prep. Sarah and I we'll, we'll sit and we'll talk, all right, who are people we want to have over in the next few weeks, next month, two months? Who do we know? Maybe we already know, we get to know better. Who have we met we don't really know and we'd like to get to know them, get to know them. But if we're not intentional, it's not gonna happen. We can't say, all right, we'll go to church and we'll find someone. Maybe that'll work for you, but I guess that for many of us, if we don't intentionally think about it, we won't do it. We need to have invite someone over, go over exact dates. If you, if you find yourself going to people a lot and say, oh, hey, we should get together sometime, and that's all you say, that's often all that will happen. You'll say, hey, we should get together sometime. You need to take action. However, there is something else to consider with that, and that's sometimes we need to be spontaneous. You know, Abraham didn't invite those guys over. 
He just saw that they had a need. And sometimes you'll, you'll, you'll see that need. A need when maybe you don't have a meal planned, but you, someone needs help. Someone can be blessed if you, need, if you, you step into the void. And you need to be willing and, and keeping an eye out for those times that God is pushing you to do it now. All right, you might be thinking, of yourself, oh, okay, Josh, these are, I see your point, but you don't know my situation. I can't do this. I can't do it like you're saying. I, I have, there's reasons. Now, if you're thinking along those lines, I suspect that what you really mean is that you have excuses. We can't allow our excuses was to be honest, our sin, to stand in the way of serving others in the name of the Lord. Back in May of this year, Kevin Allen had my family over for lunch. Now, Kevin, a young man in the pastor's college here, he lives with a few other guys, and none of them were present during lunch. Um, Kevin made tacos, he had me and my wife, our five kids over. It was a great time. We had a good lunch, a good talking to him. My kids enjoyed talking with him. We played a game with him afterwards. It was great. And I told Sarah when we left how impressed I was. Kevin's a guy in the first half of his 20s. And when I was age, especially before I was married, I wasn't having anyone over, let alone a family. Family with like little kids. But Kevin didn't do that. He didn't go through his list of reasons why he couldn't do this. He just did it. And praise the Lord for that. So what about you? What are maybe excuses that you might struggle with? Do you think maybe your house is too small? Or do you think your house is too messy? Or maybe you're thinking, I'm just too busy. I don't have time. Maybe you think, Look, I, have, I have little kids. And I kind of got to focus on them. So I can't really have the attention I would need to on someone else because I have little kids. So if you're thinking along those lines, do you need to examine your heart and consider, is it possible that you're struggling with the sin of laziness? Is it possible that you're struggling with the sin of selfishness? What about pride? It doesn't matter, for instance, how small your home is. Maybe there's not enough physical space in your house to have over 20 people at a time. But I'll bet you can do more than you think you can. A little, little ingenuity, a little thinking. You can have families over. And there are plenty of families that we bless by doing that. Is it your pride stopping you? Do you worry that your home won't inspire awe and envy in someone else? So you just rather not do it at all. If that's the case, you've got to kill your pride. Did the Lord provide you with the place that you occupy? Are you grateful to him for what he has given you, as you should be? Peter, Peter told us, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. The Lord has blessed you with whatever dwelling he has blessed you with. And you are to use it as a special gift from him 
to serve one another. What about messiness? What if you think, my home is, is too messy? I'd be embarrassed if some came and saw this. Well, one, clean it. Take care of the gift God's given you. But second, we want clean homes. We want to take care of what God has given us. But it doesn't have to be a pristine museum first. If you wait for that, you're never going to be hospitable. We, Jake mentioned small groups earlier. We have a small group at our house every Sunday night. And we often spend Saturdays as a family cleaning the house, you know, mopping, dusting, windows, bathrooms. But sometimes when people arrive on Sunday, there's toys on the ground. Sometimes maybe a child was working on an art project and there's some crayons that were missed. So we want our home to be clean. But we know that sometimes it's not going to be perfect. We have to, and it can be hard, but we have to be humble enough to realize that at times when we people over, we might be embarrassed by something. But remember, it's not about you. This is about investing in others and loving others as part of the family of God. But maybe you're thinking to yourself, I'm really busy. There's a lot going on. I'd love to, I just don't have the time right now. Maybe, maybe in a little bit. Maybe things will, won't be as busy soon, and then I will. So I saw a meme online recently that said something to the effect of, life as an adult is saying, next week things will start to settle down, and then repeating that every week until we die. So you might be busy, but if I told you that you were the winner of an all-expenses-paid vacation anywhere in the world, but you had to take it in the next month, I would suspect that most of us could find that all of a sudden we could free up seven days. The reason that we don't do it with hospitality is because we don't care enough to make it a priority. Hebrews 13, 16 says, and do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Hospitality is a sacrifice. You have to sacrifice your time and your energy and your money, but to do so is pleasing to God. It's important to recognize that your time, your energy, is more important in service to God than it is in keeping it for yourself. When you do that, you are showing God that you recognize that. About three years ago, we had over a family uh, that we met through youth soccer. Now this family, they also were Christians. They had four kids at the time. They had two older boys who were probably 11, 8, and then they had two younger boys. I think they were, one was two and one was three. So after dinner, we were all in the backyard uh, talking when we realized that we didn't know where the two younger boys were. We shortly thereafter found them in my son's room, and this led to a problem because of Legos. At the time, my sons were really into Legos. They had numerous sets that they had put together, you know, race cars and rocket ships and stuff that they had kind of put throughout the room that they put together and kind of kept on shelves so they'd stay together. 
I'm guessing you can probably guess where this is going. These two young, two young boys, they had smashed a couple of these sets. Smash them, scattered pieces throughout the room. Some pieces I think were actually never found again. So at the time, my son, some of my sons, they were upset. They were bummed. They didn't like their things to get broken. But it was a chance for me to talk to them about how loving others, even these two young boys, was more important than our stuff. If we have people over, things may get broken. If you have other children over, they, they might make a mess. And if they do, you should praise the Lord because he's bringing sanctification into your life. We need to remember, we're not given our house, our nice table, our comfy couches so that we can indulge in a life of pleasure. We've been given what we have to glorify the Lord. We are not to hold too tightly to the things of this world. But wait, you have kids. Maybe you have little kids. How can we be hospitable when we have little kids? They're needy. You have to get them fed. You can't have other people over and focus on them when your kids need your attention. But what better way to show your children that they are called to serve than by having them serve? Years ago, back when we only had one kid, my oldest was, was little, we were invited to have lunch over at uh, Mike and Sharon's, Arn's house. Now, in the house, they had some of their, their daughters serving their guests. They had girls who were eight, nine, ten, bringing food in, and then asking, guessing, hey, would you like anything else? And I remember being astounded by this. But as a parent who has children who are older now, I am so thankful to the Lord for that lesson that I saw. The hospitality is a thing you do with your children. You teach them to invest in other people, to serve others. Now, I think we'd all agree, we don't want our child to grow up thinking the world revolves around them. So this is a great opportunity to help them realize that it doesn't. If your guests, for instance, have even younger children, what an opportunity for your kids to serve by playing with them, to entertaining younger guests. Instead of slipping off to the room and ignoring people, they can invest in them. They can make them feel loved. Your children will get to see that they play a role in service to others. So maybe at this point, you've heard, you've heard the excuses and you've heard me push back against them, but you think to yourself, there's other reasons, and there are, of course, other reasons. Maybe you think, I don't have a house. I live in the dorms, or I live with my parents. It's not my house. But you can still practice hospitality in Christ's name. You don't have to have a home. Maybe you can take someone. Maybe you can take a family out to dinner. Maybe you can bring a picnic meal to a park. Maybe you can talk to family, and you bring a meal to them, and maybe you share it with them, have it with them. You don't have to own a home necessarily to be hospitable. All right, going back to our overarching theme then again for the summer. The church is a family. What does hospitality have to do with that? Now this is twofold. First, practicing hospitality unites your family. 
It gives regular, ongoing goals for your family to put into practice what we read in the Bible. Think back to Abraham. It wasn't just him serving. It wasn't even just Sarah serving. It was their family, servants. The whole group is serving together. It's a common goal and draws you closer together. A family isn't a set of individuals competing against each other to see who is the best, the smartest, the funniest, and most welcoming. It's a group that seeks the best for each other and to glorify God together. If we're working towards those same goals, we'll draw closer to each other as we do so. And there's a second, re- second reason what hospitality has to do with family, and that it brings others into your family. Hospitality is what takes a congregation of many individuals and changes them from a collection of people, a collection of families, into one family. Four years ago, we moved houses. In terms of geography, it was not a big jump, about a mile. It was a bigger house. We were really excited, very blessed by the Lord. But moving is stressful, though, as lots of people, I think, in this church know right now. Lots of things to juggle, things to remember to do. So one of the fun aspects when we sold our house was that we sold our house and we bought a house, but there was going to be about a four-week overlap in which we'd be essentially homeless. So during those four weeks, I think we slept in five different locations. So most of it we stayed with my wife's parents in Archibald. Uh, We did have a previously scheduled family vacation with my side of the family down in South Carolina. We had a getaway with Sarah's family for a weekend at a lake, um, but lots of different places. While we were with Archibald, again, we were there for a lot of it. Um, one weekend, Sarah said, hey, do you want to go to church with my parents in Defiance? Uh, Sarah's brother is a pastor of our church in Defiance, and we like going there once in a while, visiting. You know, we try and go once a year. It's fun seeing your brother-in-law preach and have family there. But during that time, I told Sarah, like, it would make sense, but I really want to be a Christ the Word. Because right now, in this kind of in-between time, no place feels like home. You know, we're staying with people. We're staying places. I have a place to sleep, for which I'm grateful, but none of it was home. But this place felt like home. And it wasn't because of the building. It was because this is where I had family. This is where I had family who I came, who I loved and whom I was loved by. So what about your, um, so how do we, how do we do this? How do we, again, how are we going to be doing it? We invite people over. Jordan kind of talked about inclusiveness a few weeks ago. People you meet at the park, people you, you know, neighbors you have on your street. When you're spending time with people, you're turning them from strangers into acquaintances, to friends, to, by the power of God, into family. When people visit us here at Christ the Word, we want them to know they're welcome. We want them to know they are loved. And we want them to be part of the family of Christ, to know Him and the power of forgiveness for those who are calling on His name. If we're not practicing hospitality, we'll not bring, up, we'll not bring others into our family here at Christ the Word. All right, again, when I mentioned those few weeks that when we were homeless for a few weeks out there, there was a period 
that we ran into an issue. My kids were starting school. We had moved into Sylvania schools, and my kids were starting. The problem was, if we're living in Archbold, that's a, that's a far drive. It's going to be an hour. It's going to be some very early mornings for Sarah and the kids. We had talked to some people, asked them to pray for us. We weren't sure what we're going to do. But we're going to have like a week in which it was going to be some really early mornings for the kids. But we weren't sure what, the, what, what we're going to do, what the solution was going to be. A little before that time, I was approached by Nathan McClavick here. Now, Nathan and Bryce, earlier that summer, they had bought a home in Sylvania. Actually, really close to where we were, our house was going to be. Their house was a, it was a pretty big house. They had two large bedrooms that are not being used yet. So Nathan said, hey, why don't you move in with us for that week? Now, that in and of itself would have been a tremendous show of love, been a tremendous show of hospitality in Christ's name. But there's something that made it a lot more significant, a lot more, sometimes this day, mind-boggling. And that is, we moved in on a Monday. Just a few days before that, Bryce had given birth to Benaiah. So this is not a few weeks. It wasn't even a week. It was a few days. Now, can you imagine having a new baby and coming home from the hospital, and then two or three days later, a family of seven moves in? <laughs> Yet, it was such a blessing to me and to my family. Remember Nathan asked me that. I was like, are you, are you sure? having a baby like any day and it was such a blessing it was such an example of loving others in Christ's name of serving others at your own expense and I praise the Lord for that the Lord was so good so these opportunities are there if we look we will have opportunities to bless other people maybe you know a mom who is stressed and she would be blessed if you took her kids for the afternoon or for an evening, there are chances that we have to die to ourselves and to love others, being hospitable in Christ's name. Before we conclude, there's another aspect I want to touch on. We need to be willing to accept hospitality. It's possible that you prefer to, be, to serve others than to be served. Maybe it makes you feel awkward. But you shouldn't deny someone the opportunity to grow in Jesus if they extend hostility to you. It can be tough. When I, you know, when I moved to Indiana, before Sarah and I were married, I was living by myself for a few months. So I visited a church there a few times. One of the times I was there, I met a gentleman who invited me over for lunch with his family following service. I declined because I felt awkward by it. I didn't know this guy. I didn't know his family. I gave some flimsy excuse and said no. A few weeks later, he invited me over again. And again, I gave what was probably an equally weak excuse. Now this gentleman was showing love to me in Christ's name. I felt too awkward, probably too proud to accept it. Instead of being humble, I didn't do it. I said no. Part of hospitality is to accept it when it's offered to you. This concept of hospitality is not a new one in the church. In Leviticus 19, Moses exhorts the nation of Israel by saying, When a stranger resides with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. 
the stranger who resides with you, shall be to you as a native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you aliens in the land of Egypt, I am the Lord your God. It is the practice of the people of God to be hospitable and turn strangers into family. Practicing hospitality is the way we do that. We do it to glorify Jesus, to encourage those to know him, to reveal him to those who don't, to be able to challenge those who know him but who need to be, who need to be pushed. I'm sure most of you know the old song, they will know we are Christians by our love, right? Hospitality is one of the key ways we show our love to others and point them to Christ as a family of believers. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for how you push us. We thank you for the command you give to us to be hospitable. Lord, we thank you for opportunities you give us to die to ourselves, to unite us as a family under Jesus. Lord, just as, just as you bring us beggars into the family of God, Lord, you extend us and make us family. Help us, Lord, to make others in the family in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.